in the UK, and one asked the other, where do you think that we are missing it in the church today and as Christians in in Great Britain? And the other pastor said, I think that generally speaking, we have lost our edge and we have lost our boldness. Uh, That because we are so aware of how out of place we are, Today and how out of place our beliefs are in 21st century Britain, we can seem sometimes defensive. We can come off sometimes even a bit embarrassed. And as those who don't live and speak and act in such a way, as though to say we are the ones with the best news in all the world, that because Jesus Christ is alive. And that actually makes a fascinating point about the nature of boldness. What I mean to say is, it is easy to be bold when everyone else around you is on your side. But true boldness is boldness in the face of a cost. So let's say, for example, you're a a Liverpool supporter and you're at Anfield for the Premier League final. It's one thing for you to stand to your feet and boldly sing, you'll never walk alone when you are not alone. When there are thousands of other people singing the same song to your left and to your right. But let's say that it's Liverpool versus Everton and it's Liverpool or some other regrettable team like Manchester United. And, you, and it's the Premier League final and you're no longer sat in the cop but you're sat behind enemy lines. And there are no other Liverpool supporters as far as the eye can see. How bold are you going to be singing you'll never walk alone then when you are alone? Now, since I'm offending everyone today, uh, let me also say, I noticed that a few months ago, those HSBC ads and billboards with two men looking longingly into one another's eyes on their wedding day, and then the other that had like two women in wedding dresses holding hands and with bouquets of flowers. And it's not because HSBC are offering uh, higher interest rates on ISA accounts to same-sex couples. It's because HSBC want you to know where they stand and who they are boldly standing with. And yet I wonder how many of those same billboards were shown on the streets of Saudi Arabia, where HSBC also have branches Again, it's easy to make a stand when everyone is standing with you. But when your name happens to be Martin, for example, and you live in the 16th century, and your right hand nailed 95 theses to the Wittenberg Wittenberg Cathedral door, many of which undermined the power structures of the day, and then the next thing you know, the Roman Catholic Church have sent you a Google calendar invite asking you, summoning you to appear at the Diet of Worms, and the emperor asks you, Martin, are these your books, are these your works, and will you recount them? And you say, I neither can nor will retract anything for it it cannot be either safe or honest for a Christian to speak against his conscience here I stand I can do no other so help me God amen that was boldness because that was boldness in the face of a cost taking a political stand on a cultural issue when the culture around you agrees with you is nothing more than virtue signaling and clever marketing. But 
Actual boldness comes when you are mastered by something greater than yourself. When you value and prize and savor and treasure something more than your life, more than your comfort, more than your reputation, more than your pride, more than your future. Well, a few weeks ago, we began a series in the book of Acts. The book of Acts tells the story of the church after Jesus Christ had died for sin, raised, risen on the third day, ascended into heaven, poured out the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, and Peter, who hadn't always been bold, got bold very, very quickly. And he began to preach the death of Jesus and the burial of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus to a packed out Jerusalem and the clothesline message of the sermon. The knockout punch line, the jugular vein moment was when Peter said, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. That was boldness. Because Jesus Christ had died for our sin, risen again, literally and bodily, everything had changed for Peter. Comfort now meant nothing to Peter. Pride and reputation meant nothing to Peter because Jesus Christ was alive and well. Very often pastors and preachers will press pause on their sermon series on a Sunday morning for Easter and they'll find a passage relevant to the resurrection of Jesus. But the apostle Peter makes the case in our passage today that the miracle we're about to witness in Acts chapter three hinged on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he makes the point to those whose hands were dripping with the blood of Christ that God had glorified his servant Jesus. And Peter spells out the implications of that on the back of number one, the lame man raised, and then number two, the promised man raised. So look with me at Acts chapter three and verse one. It says, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms, that is, Spare change for the poor or the underprivileged of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them. Walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And again from there, Peter spells out the implications for the crowd in view of the fact that, that, that a risen Jesus was behind number one, the lame man raised to Peter and John all the people utterly astounded ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's and when Peter saw it he addressed the people men of Israel why do you wonder at this 
Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses and his name by faith in His name has made this man strong, whom you see and know in the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Peter's point was this. The lame man has been raised because Jesus Christ was and is all that God revealed him to be. All that God had glorified him to be. God had glorified Jesus right the way throughout his ministry. At his baptism, he spoke over Jesus. You are my son in whom I am well pleased. And he gave to Christ the authority to heal the sick and raise the dead and cleanse lepers and and calm the storms. And God declared him to be the son of God in power when he raised him from the dead. And by faith in the name of That Jesus, whom God had raised to life, this man has been raised out of infirmity and out of disease. But the Jesus whom God glorified, Peter says, was the same Jesus that you rejected and crucified. You denied, Peter said, the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. And friends, what I want us to get this morning is this. Since God glorified Jesus, his servant, neutrality is impossible when it comes to Jesus. Either we are glorifying him with God or we are rejecting him with the very same ones whose hands were stained red with his blood. There is no middle ground. There is no fence to sit on. There is no third option. This is exactly what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10 when he said, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Friends, Not only is human history divided around Jesus, B.C. before Christ and A.D. Anno Domini, the year of our Lord, but humanity itself is divided around Jesus. Those who glorify him on the one hand, those who reject him on the other hand. Now, some of you would say, yeah, well, Hugh, uh, I would believe too if I saw a once lame man jumping around as though on a pogo stick of the 1990s. And to that, I want to say this, maybe, maybe not. Because seeing is not always believing. In fact, the problem is rarely with our eyes. The problem is with our hearts. 
In John chapter 11, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. There were witnesses. Many saw it. He'd been in the tomb for four days. The King James Version of the Bible says, he stinketh, just so we all know. And the response to his resurrection of Lazarus was this. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he, Jesus did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, what are we to do? For this man performs many signs. Did you hear that? No doubt about that. No doubt about the miracles. This man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come away and take both our place and our nation. And after Jesus had been raised on the third day, what was the response of, uh, to, of the same? Did they gather together and say, hey, do we want to maybe, you know, rethink our position on Jesus? He said he was going to die on a cross and he's died on a cross. He said he was going to rise on the third day and he, he's risen on the third day. No, no, no. They said, let's make up a story that the women and the disciples snuck past sleeping Roman soldiers, moved an enormous stone, stole away his body without anyone noticing or waking up, and then purport that Jesus is alive. There is no neutrality when it comes to Jesus of Nazareth. There is no neutrality when it comes to the one whom God has glorified. None. Before Gloria and I, my wife, came to live in Hoylake and minister here at Hoylake Evangelical Church, we were living 45 minutes east of the city of LA in California. It's where my wife is from. And sometimes people ask us, did you ever meet any celebrities when you were in California? Actually, we didn't. And the most famous person we actually met was British. And what happened was I walked into a restaurant. I turned to my right and I immediately double-taked Louis Theroux. And I said to Gloria, babes, that's Louis Ferrier over there. And she was like, it's not. And I was like, I'm telling you, it is. And so we went up to get his food and I just intercepted him. I was like, mate, I'm really sorry. Is it, is it Louis Ferrier? She's like, it is, mate. Yeah, hi, it's me. And we had this chat and I can show you, see, show you the photo after if you don't believe me. But, <laughs> but Louis Ferrier is quite outspoken, isn't he, about his, his atheism. And I remember years ago, there was one episode of one of his documentaries where it centered around a young American ex-football, uh, American football player who'd been in a tragic accident and was being kept alive on a machine. And all of the doctors were saying to the family, you need to say your goodbyes and you need to walk away. Nobody comes out of an injury like this. He's not coming out of it. And the mother said, no, I'm going to pray. And she prayed. And she prayed. And Louis Theroux was looking at this woman with a look of real compassion and real love and care for this woman, but also with a look that said, at what point is this woman going to accept reality? And what is it going to be like for her when it dawns on her there's no one listening? By the end of the episode, that young man was walking and talking and was identifying family members by name. And what did that do to Louis Theroux's atheism? Nothing. Because the problem isn't with the eye, the problem is with the heart. 
we don't believe in Jesus, not because we haven't seen, but because we don't want to. That's the reality. And again, there is no neutrality when it comes to Jesus. After this message, Josh and Pip are going to be stepping into the waters of baptism. And they are going to be giving further proof and testimony that Jesus Christ is alive and well. See, it's one thing for a disabled man to have his feet and his legs and his ankles and his knees made strong. It is another thing altogether for a person to have a heart of stone removed and a heart of flesh put in its place and God's law written on the heart and God's spirit filling their hearts. Another thing altogether, dying with Christ and raising with Christ. And that is exactly what Jesus Christ has done through his servant whom God has glorified. And so Peter has given testimony to the fact that God glorified his servant Jesus as he spoke of number one, the lame man raised, but then second, and much more briefly, the promised man raised. Look at verse 17 of Acts chapter three. And now brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance as did also your rulers, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent therefore, And turn again, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness was the one whom God had glorified well the one whom God had promised to raise up all along the one who like Moses would be raised up Moses received the word of God Jesus was and is the word of God Moses led the way to the place of God. Jesus is the way to the place of God. Moses and Samuel spoke the truth. Jesus is the truth. Moses and Samuel proclaimed these days. Jesus brought these days. So what should we do? Well, we should do exactly what Peter told the crowd to do. We should repent of our rejection of Jesus and we should receive him as Lord and Savior and Christ and King and treasure of our hearts. And Peter says, the richest and the highest blessings await all who will and real destruction awaits all those who won't. Highest blessings, Peter says, times of refreshing, Uh, That is a a Holy Spirit-given oasis in the soul, in the midst of a wilderness world. The blotting out of sin. Uh, William Barclay said, ancient writing was upon papyri and the ink used had no acid in it. It therefore did not bite into the papyrus as modern ink does. It simply lay upon the top of it. To erase the writing, a man might take a wet sponge and simply wipe it away. Just so 
John Stott writes, when God forgives our sins, he wipes the slate clean. And destruction uh, and the blessing rather that the holiness, the holy happiness promised to all who receive, receive Abraham's descendant, the Lord Jesus Christ. Destruction though, Peter says, awaits all those who reject the one whom God has glorified. Uh, the one whom God has enthroned in heaven. The one for whom the cosmos was made. To reject him is to earn destruction. So friend, repent today and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Times of refreshing, the blotting out of sin, the promise of blessing promised to Abram. You remember that moment when Edmund leaves Mr. and Mrs. Beaver's house and he makes his way in the bleak midwinter of Narnia Within minutes, he's come to the realization that he's made a stupid decision. His shins are bloodied and bruised. He's freezing cold. And then he comes to a clearing in the plain and he sees a castle of ice before him. Just think about that in your mind's eye for a moment. A castle of ice before him, the warmth of a home behind him. Turning to the home would involve humility It would involve the admission of wrong. It would take real repentance. It would take swallowing of pride. And yet it was the wisest thing to do in view of the fact that Aslan was on the move. And so the question for you today is, will it be the castle of ice or will it be the warmth of a home with a meal on the table and a family in your company? There are some of you here who are just like the people whom Peter spoke to all those years ago in that their rejection of Jesus Christ was owing to ignorance. They didn't know in one sense. But friend, you do now know because there has been a full disclosure of the truth made to you today through the Apostle Peter through my lips in this place all these years later receive Jesus for who he is, it will take humility, the owning of wrong, real repentance, but it comes down to the castle of ice or the home of warmth. Which one is it going to be for you today? Times of refreshing, the blotting out of sin, and the promise of blessing promised to all who will trust in Abraham's descendant, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to hear now